podcast. Hi, I'm Ruth. And I'm Tina. And this is Talkin' Smash. The podcast where we wear scarves and talk about Smash. Oh, I am not wearing, Tina, I am not wearing a scarf. (laughs) I forgot to wear a scarf. We both forgot our scarf bit. The thing is that I've been, you know, trying to embrace Marie Kondo's vision of tidying up. And so I got rid of a bunch of scarves and yet I still have a scarf drawer. And a scarf hanger or a scarf scarf hanger. Yes. So, well, I love that you have your scarf hanger for your, your, your scarf, your uniform infinity scarves. And then you have a drawer for scarves of unusual size. So (laughs) exactly. Yes. My, we have completely, we've completely cycled through my entire scarf wardrobe, but um, I, you know, we'll, as as we move into fall, you know, well, I'll I'll, I'll pull them out again for some repeat uh-huh. viewings. So, it is also August, and it's really hot. <laughs> it is, it and is we just indeed. we just had a hurricane, and so there's humidity. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but we have power, so that's excellent. Huzzah! We are talking today. We are talking about episode one thirteen, tech. Yes, and it was written, I'm sorry, it was directed by Roxanne Dawson. Roxanne Dawson is best known for playing Delana Torres on Star Trek Voyager. And she's, oh. a multi- mm-hmm. she's a multi-hyphenate creator. She's an actor, a director, a writer. She does it all. Oh, my goodness, and a Star Trek connection, too. Yeah, so she's had, she has a very cool career. And it was written by Jason Grote and Lakshmi Sundaran. They are staff writers for Smash. So we had two women of color involved in the production of this episode. This is a historic Smash first, I'm sure. I didn't know that Roxanne Dawson was a woman of color. That is cool. Well, um, let's see. She's a woman of light color. Um, well, I, you know, maybe I'm making assumptions. You know, her, her, it says, you know, she was born in Los Angeles to Richard and Rosalie Caballero. So she, yeah, she looks Latina in some pictures of her that I, that I see. But again, you know, also sometimes Italian people get, you know, play Latino, Latino characters. So who can say? All right. I don't know. Yeah, I'm seeing here that she is of Hispanic descent, but I do not know if she is. Like what, of Cameron I'm, Diaz, Hispanic descent. Exactly. Because she's, she is very, she's very light skinned. And um, I, my uh, pals over at Tea with Queen and Jay came up with the best phrase ever, um, which they use to describe women like Sofia Vergara and uh, uh, Sofia Vergara and in some ways even like Jennifer Lopez, uh, which is uh, TV Italian when you're, <laughs> you know, of Hispanic or Latin origin and you still, but you could, you could play an Italian. And I didn't even you're realize in- this, but Jennifer Lopez has played in her movies, like she, she's, 
She's like, often Italian in movies. She's often yes. Italian, yeah. So yeah, so yes, so Roxanne Dawson, yes, exists in that nether space. Um, yes, and that's why it's important that when we're talking specifically about black women, it's important to say like black women and not women of color because it's there's a lot it's it's a lot more complex because there are definitely women who can you know claim being women of color, but their life experience is very very different than if you are a dark-skinned black woman or, you know, a dark-skinned woman. <laughs> well, in Smash season one, we don't have call to talk about black women all that often. So uh, Yeah, yeah. So this episode <sighs> opens in the best way. What's your scarf count? Oh my gosh, my scarf count? My counted 14 scarves. How about you? Oh, I counted 10. I counted three for Rebecca, which I took as a sign of her dominance. <laughs> yes, I believe I had at least two, possibly three for Rebecca as well. There were a lot of scarves in um, the Grand Central scene when yes. um, everyone was uh, gathering together to get on the train to go to Boston. Uh -huh. Then there were some more scarves in Boston when people were outside. So like when Tom and Sam were out on the porch of Sam's family's house, they were both wearing <laughs> scarves. Yeah. But so that's how I got to my total of um, 14. Julia, um, I had with one scarf this week and I, it might've just been a flowy top, but um, that was when the she purple, met. I, yes. In Eileen's office, I, 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 I really think it was a flowy top. Okay. Well, in that case, I counted 13 scarves. And okay. one of them was also the, the black and silver scarf that was thrown over a lampshade at their hotel oh, room party. I definitely missed that one. Yes. And that's okay. where Dennis was wearing a yellow scarf tied around his head. Because they were having such a oh, live party. Good call. Okay. Yeah. Those are, so now, those are two that I definitely missed. Yeah. Okay. So now our, our results are closer to matching. So. Yeah. We've reconciled yeah. the scarf count. <laughs> and the NBC.com synopsis for this episode is Bombshell moves to Boston as it finally finds its way to the stage. Yes. And that is what's happening. So we begin with uh, a montage of people packing to, to go to Boston. And we hear Tom singing at the piano, another opening, another show. And then we hear Sam come in and then we see them. So Tom and Tom is playing the song and they're singing it. And, you know, then we, we see the montage of all these different apartments. Apparently Derek's apartment is right on top of the Empire State Building or the Chrysler Building. <laughs> but, um, and, you know, we see all of their, their different uh, levels of excitement as they're getting ready to go. Karen is, of course, super duper excited. Ivy is you know, a little bit glum as she's packing and she makes sure to pack a picture of her mother. 
Um, and then they all meet up at Grand Central. And even though they all see each other all day long for like 12 hours, they're so excited to see each other in this new location. Um, and then they get on the train to Boston. And then we, you know, the song is still going on with Tom and Sam singing as we watch them loading into the theater. And like, I think I had a Pavlovian response to this, just like salivating of like, oh my gosh, to be in a theater and oh. <laughs> with all the hustle and the bustle um, as they're loading in the costumes and the props and all of this stuff. And we see all of our, we see all of our gang, except Julia really. And we see Derek kind of stalking around. And then at the end of the song, another open, another show, final note. Then all of a sudden, all the lights go out and Derek says, oh, bloody hell. And <laughs> this is, in my mind, where it would have been a perfect place to like cut for commercials and then, you know, come back for the opening credits. But they decided differently. Um, oh. And another opening, another, sh another show is a Cole Porter song. And uh, it is, I think, the opening of Kiss Me Kate, which is another musical about doing a show. A show. <laughs> it's another show within a show. And I think it was an excellent choice. Um, it's and very cute. I yes. like it. I like the opening. Yes. Yeah. And like, yeah, it, it, it's just like, and because the song is really like, the song is kind of very like, kind of usually played like very upbeat and bouncy but and you know but there's like yeah there's like oh you know three ah well I, I'm I feel like I could do the whole song is like Rex Harrison style like you know <laughs> <laughs> three weeks you rehearse and rehearse you know blah 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 it couldn't be worse but like that yeah that cycle that every show goes through in terms of like uh -huh. it's terrible it's wonderful this is the worst thing I've ever done this is the best thing I've ever done we are still at the theater and we see Derek staring at a model of the set, you know, very pensive as he's trying to solve some sort of staging problem. Then Ivy comes up and talks to him and solves it for him. And mm -hmm. then he says, that's why I love you. And, and we're I, like, what? What? And Ivy's like, what? And, but because, you know, people don't talk about things. She just <laughs> absorbs the I love you and doesn't move into a conversation. With yes. Well, he says it and then he wanders off to like talk to someone about the lights, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, all the cast is, of course, staying at a hotel together. And of course, the ensemble people all are doubled up. So, uh -huh. um, yes, we go to, a, you know, Karen's hotel room where her phone starts ringing, you know, it's dark, they're sleeping. And poor Sue got stuck with Karen as a roommate. Um, <laughs> so Karen picks up her ringing cell phone and like scurries to the bathroom to answer it. And of course it's Dev. And he is calling to, you know, just because he doesn't get it. And if so, of course he called at the wrong time and all of this. Um, like, it's not even nine o'clock in the morning yet. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I always think about that early episode of Desperate Housewives where what's her face with the red hair from Melrose Place? Uh, her husband has had a heart attack and she like stares at the clock waiting for it to turn nine o'clock to like start calling people because one doesn't call people before nine o'clock. 
Well, my grandmother had a rule that one didn't call anyone before noon. Unless I enjoy that rule. Yes. So really, unless it's like a work thing, like where, you know, obviously we are, you know, presumably like we're working, you can call someone during business hours, though. I don't yeah. call anyone I work with. It's all like I am. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, I, I was raised on the rule that you, you don't call people before noon because you don't know their life. They could be sleeping. <laughs> so, yeah, but um, and I do think that and so so this phone call has also woken poor Sue up. Um, but, and I do think, so this isn't Karen's fault, except to the extent that uh, Karen chose Dev to be in a relationship with, but I do yeah. think Karen is probably a terrible roommate. Like, oh, probably. Yes. In a, in a well-meaning, completely oblivious to her own terribleness kind of way. She is a Karen. <gasps> oh, Tina. Yes. Connecting the dots. Oh my goodness! <laughs> she doesn't even bother to put, you know, silence her phone. Mm-hmm. Yes, she has to put her hour. phone on silent. What is this? The nineties? Yeah. So, um, then we are at the theater, and uh, th- we see one of I think what is one of my favorite pairings in Smash, which is Derek and Tom. Yeah. Yeah. So. Derek is um, worried about a set piece and he's fussing about that. And Tom is talking to him because he wants to throw a new number into the show during tech. Um, <laughs> I think this is where that comes up. And then Ted, the, our, our new DiMaggio. I don't think this is ludicrous, actually. I think this is realistic, this plot. Really? Okay. Yes. So um, Ted, our not Michael Swift DiMaggio, you know, rushes in and is like, hey, guys, guess what? I booked a pilot, and I'm so sorry. I have to fly out to Las Vegas tonight to do my pilot. And I do think, so I don't think this is ridiculous because... Oh, I was talking about adding a song during... Oh, adding a song. Yes. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's ridiculous. Someone leaving a a theater show to, to, because they booked a pilot, that's not ridiculous. That's, yeah, there's something, I feel there's something in like equity contracts or where you're allowed to leave a production if you get, if you've, you know, if you've gotten an offer for like a whatever, a bit, a much bigger job, something like that. Gotcha. I was going to ask you if that was an equity violation. I don't know. And this is talking, and of course he's going to like a film, you know, a TV job, not a theater job, but I feel like there is something in there. Like you don't, you do not have to, you, you do not have to like live out your whatever, your teeny tiny equity contract. If you've just gotten like the big break of a lifetime, you know, gotcha. you don't have, you don't have to turn down Grey's Anatomy to finish out your like six week <laughs> run of, you know, Kiss Me Kate in, in Baltimore or something like that. So. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, um, so of course, Derek is like, well, uh, I guess we need to call Michael Swift. And Tom because is like, there's, there's no, there's no understudy apparently for, well, <laughs> for like the male lead. <laughs> well, I guess, I think, you know, from later on, I guess we can assume that Dennis is the understudy. And okay. I guess, I guess they're like, well, Dennis can't do this, obviously. But that's a good point. <laughs> understudies they exist yeah um, but 
yeah, that, that never even comes up as like an option. <laughs> like was Ted the understudy? No, Ted was who they brought in yeah. as he was not the understudy. They brought him in new um, okay. after the workshop to be the Michael Swift. But one would assume that someone in the ensemble had been designated as Ted's understudy. Yeah. This is something we can nitpick that um, it never comes up and no one ever brings up the the concept of the understudy actually playing the role. Even though we've made yeah. such a big thing of Karen being the understudy and Ivy being the understudy and all of that. Yeah. But I guess understudies are only for women, not for men. So <laughs> yeah, in Smash World. But so anyway, so Derek is, of course, you know, we must call Michael Swift and see if he's available. And Tom says, Derek, there's something you need to know. And <laughs> without missing a beat, Derek says, Michael and Julia. Yeah, yeah, I'm not an idiot. Um, I just know how to mind my own business. And... <laughs> I found that very entertaining and it made me, it made me pause and ask the question, is Derek the spike of smash? Oh. In terms of, oh. yes, in Buffy, Spike, who, you know, is uh, textually a bad guy, is also the person who has like the most emotional IQ and awareness of what is going on with everyone else in the show. I buy that. Yes. I mean, how I feel about Derek is very different from the <laughs> emotions I have for Spike. <laughs> um, but, you know, e even with hindsight, I, you know, I, I look back and, you know, Spike definitely had some icky, icky moments of consent and stuff. So, yeah, I, uh, in some ways, they are more alike than perhaps I want to admit. Yes. And also with their Londonish accents and all. True. Though this probably makes the way that Derek treats Ivy even worse if he is aware of like how shitty he's being. But yeah. um, yes. Then we see Rebecca in her dressing room and Karen is there hanging out with her kind of plain Marilyn dress up as uh, Rebecca is getting made up. Rebecca has a, a nice little speech about the fear in terms of she thought when she reached a certain level of stardom and success and fame, that kind of the fear and the anxiety would go away, but it never does. And oh. that was a nice moment. And then we, we cut to Julia, the only person we haven't seen, you know, kind of in all of this hubbub of tech and going to Boston. And uh, she's at home with Frank and Leo I think we, you know, we may have seen like a quick glimpse of her before in bed with Frank staring at him while he sleeps. And mm -hmm. um, yes, things are. She's learning how to make pancakes. Yeah. And she's wearing a ridiculously oversized pajama top because that's her <laughs> way. Like she does with all her lovers. <laughs> <laughs> Though you notice 
that um, Frank gets the, pla the, the, the plaid flannel giant pajama top. Oh. So even though they're all cuddly and canubial now, he gets that, whereas Michael Swift got the white silk giant pajama top. So. Gotcha. But, you know, they're all very happy in Brooklyn with their pancakes. And then we, we see Tom calling her uh, to inform her of this bombshell that they are going to put Michael Swift back in the show. She sounds so happy that he chickens out and doesn't tell her. Yeah, then uh, we, we see, so of course, Tom is at the theater. Everyone's at the theater except for Julia. Uh, we see Ivy uh, chatting with Dennis and telling him how, what's his name? Derek said, I love you. And mm -hmm. then she's talking about how they're going out to dinner that night because it's Derek's birthday. She's got a special dress. And Rebecca overhears that it is Derek's birthday today. And then uh, we, we go into, you know, they are ready to rehearse History is Made at Night. Rebecca's in costume. Everyone's in costume. And Dennis goes up to her to, to play DiMaggio. And this is where Rebecca learns that her DiMaggio has left the play. It's no longer oh. in the city. She rightly blows up at Derek saying, like, how could you not tell me something like this? And, you know, let me find out in front of the whole cast and crew. And half my scenes are with him. And, like, did he, you know, yes. And I think all of her points are extremely valid. <laughs> Derek says it'll all be fine. And why don't you go try on some costumes? And we're just going to, like, walk through this. And so then he calls Ivy and says, Ivy, can you stand in for her? And so then we see Ivy getting to do history is made at night now with like a whole, with the set and the lights and everything. When the last time we saw this number was when she was doing it with Michael Swift in like the workshop or in a rehearsal. Mm -hmm. So that is fun. And then we're in Rebecca's dressing room and she is, she and Derek comes in and they are talking and she raises her concerns in terms of like, you, you keep having people stand in for me and how am I ever going to, because apparently they open in like two days or something ridiculous. And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this whole episode, you know, goes to underline the, the, the zaniness, the, you know, of having someone who, who, who is new to theater and new to musicals um, be the lead <laughs> in a musical that is not yet written. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's one thing for like a Rebecca Duvall to. To step into Chicago. Know, to step into Chicago. It's like, okay, you know, that's a show we know. And, um, you know, there's a part that's, not hard to sing in that show <laughs> and and plus that know, show is like a well-oiled machine yeah and this is a machine that this is this is the airplane that is getting built as it goes down the runway and to have someone who is a newbie like trying to like be the one flying the airplane that's getting built as it goes down yeah. the runway is uh is probably not a great idea <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, 
Derek kind of spouts a bunch of nonsense at her. I think he says one thing that's like quasi useful in terms of mm-hmm. Marilyn always, um, you know, was afraid of being a joke or that mm-hmm. people were laughing at her. And like, you know, so your insecurity about all of this, like use that, put that into the character. Mm-hmm. And then he, he says a lot of kind of fluffy nonsense about, you know, use your star power. And um Yes, revel in it, and I don't think I, m- most of that is particularly helpful, but uh <laughs> it is always exciting when Derek stops to direct it is it happens so seldom yeah um, I'm trying to think of the last time he like directed someone about their acting um <sighs> was it Karen like way back in the audition? No, there was something more recent. He also uh, was just like a decent human being, like right before Rebecca showed up, and Ivy kind of got like one last hurrah. Yes, and he was like, "Thank you, Miss Lynn. That was beautiful." Oh, that was that was the episode I think where Rebecca realized that she was backing the wrong horse. Oh yes, Ivy, was that yeah. when she sang secondhand "White Baby Grand." I think so. He, I think he gave Karen like one semi-good note at one at one point, but a lot of his direction uh-huh. seems to be like, "Don't, don't act it, be it," and you know, <laughs> those aren't useful things to say to anyone. No. <laughs> don't play her, be her. Um, yeah. yeah, and then we see um, Ivy lurking outside of. Uh, Rebecca's dressing room because she knows Derek is in there with Rebecca and then Ellis comes up and is like are you lurking because that's usually my thing <laughs> he doesn't say are you lurking but he's like he says is usually what does he say that's, yeah I wrote it down he, he, yeah he comes up to her and he says that's usually my thing and <laughs> it's great and I'm now I yes I've been, I keep saying this but I am, I am 100% on board for Ellis he is now yes like my favorite part of the show I agree <laughs> in this rewatch Ellis is definitely my favorite I love his I love his outfits I love how he kind of keeps the plot chugging along I love it all mm-hmm. um and I do love this line too because I think it is like a sort of an acknowledgement uh, by the writers that, like, we know you hate Alice, but come on, <laughs> this is fun. And I, w- I looked for a GIF of Alice saying that's usually my thing, and g- I couldn't find any GIFs of Alice. And I think this is, oh. uh, I, you know, again, I looked in two places, so I, <laughs> it was not an exhaustive search. But I feel like, I feel like the internet should be overflowing with Alice GIFs. Yeah. I'm going to have to do a little digging for that. Yes. And of course, like in the back, you know, every so once in a while, Dev makes a phone call and is awful and obnoxious. Yeah. And yes. He, I get, I, he really wants to be in Boston with Karen and he's never at work now. And he, it's, I really get the impression that he wants to supervise Karen since like his career is is not you know is in the doldrums right now like I, yeah i think he wants basically his personal life to be like the new thing that he gets status from or whatever oh. so i think our next scene is our next big scene is um back at karen and dev's apartment in new york dev has been um 
called in sick to work so he could mope all day and which, which hey, is fine. He's that's fine. That's fine. You can have a mental health day. And Absolutely. Yes. But, but he, is throw, um, he is throwing himself a giant pity party. Yeah. And he calls himself marginalized, which I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, and then, a- yeah, RJ comes over with a bottle of bourbon to help cheer him up and tell him that he's super duper and great and all of that. And then they kiss. And really, I'm just like, RJ, you can do better, man. Like, yeah, don't waste your time with this guy, RJ. You're- I mean, she is moving in for the kill. Yes. She's clear to come over, like, with, with these hopes in mind. So then yeah. they start kissing, and then Dev is like, no, I can't. And That's- she says, I feel like you can, because he has an erection, and she can <laughs> feel it. <laughs> and it's 2012, and so we can't say erection on network television, but mm-hmm. we can make allusions to them. So hooray. <laughs> Then we cut to Eileen's office where Eileen and Julia are talking. And Eileen is such a class act as, as per usual. Um, Uh Basically she, she says to Julia, like, you know, I'm, I respect you too much to like pussyfoot around with you. I'm just going to tell you we're bringing Michael Swift back and that's what's happening. And Julia is like, no, don't do that. They, they they really, you know, come to an impasse and Julia walks out and then we'll revisit that topic later. Then we're back at the theater and Derek is fuming about something, which again, I think is the default director mode during tech. There's, or at least Derek's default director mode. There's, there are many things to fume about, light, lights not working correctly, sounds, etc. So, but anyway, the... The thing that is brought to him at that particular moment is um, the a wardrobe person and Randall, we remember Randall, Rebecca's mm-hmm. assistant, have brought him a costume and it's like a gold sequin dress with long white satin gloves and Randall's like, Rebecca really loves the gloves and the costume person is like, you know, if she wears the gloves, then she needs, we need like two more minutes for the costume change. (laughs) And so the result of that is Derek says, you know, basically she gets the glove that they decide that the costume will have the gloves because Rebecca really loves the gloves. He, he goes to Tom and is basically like, is basically like, right, right. Two minutes of filler music for me (laughs) between, (laughs) between this number and that number. And as and so Tom barters to if he gives if he gives Derek the filler that he needs, can he put his new new musical number into the show during tech? So yeah. um, and Derek is like, fine. Talk to the choreographer's name, who Josh. Yeah, because that's the choreographer's real life name. He's like, talk to Josh, and um, <laughs> yeah. So meanwhile, Julia's back at home and she's talking to Tom on the phone and basically saying, like, how could you betray me and like not, you know, allow this to happen? Michael Swift being coming back into the show and, you know, Frank comes in, uh, you know, as she's hanging up the phone and he's like, hey, what's wrong? 
at first she says nothing, and then after a beat, she's like, no, uh, here's what's wrong. And she tells him the whole situation. And he's like, wow, okay, wow, that's a lot. Thanks for telling me. I'm going to go on a walk. And aren't they both being mature adults for, for, for the time being? So yes, communicating. Yes, and isn't that wonderful? And then we're back at the theater, and all the lights go out, and Derek's like, oh, what now? And then we see Rebecca come on stage in full Marilyn regalia, and she does, happy birthday, Mr. President, except it's for Derek because it's his birthday. And Randall wheels a big cake with, like, you know, sparklers out on stage. And everyone has, like, oh, a happy moment of, like, oh, we're going to take 30 minutes to have cake in the middle of tech. <laughs> yeah. It, <sighs> um, but in, in our costumes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they're eating their costumes. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, that my goodness. It's a violation. <laughs> I mean, we learned that in, like, the first episode. You get fined if you yes. do <laughs> Yes. Well, it's one of those things, Rebecca, if Rebecca does it, then I guess they can all do it in this wacky world of uh, tech that yeah. they're living through. So we see Ivy and Sam talking as Rebecca feeds Derek cake. And we learn that Sam's family lives in Boston and that he and Tom are going to have dinner with them tonight. And then Sam's like, oh, maybe you should go and uh, break up that Derek and Rebecca cake, you know, eating mm-hmm. thing, which Ivy does. I just want to note, too, that Rebecca is, is now fully aware of, that she's in competition with Ivy. And yes. she like dresses down Ivy with a, you know, thanks for standing in for me. But I think that I'm going to stand in for myself now. Yes. So Rebecca has already clocked uh, Ivy as a rival at the end of the last episode. And she now is fully aware that Ivy is in a relationship with Derek. If she didn't know that beforehand, she definitely knows it now. Because she knew that Ivy and Derek had a special romantic dinner planned. And she's not letting that stop her. Um, so, but yeah, she is taking, Rebecca is taking charge of things. So then Eileen shows up at Julia's house and they continue their disagreement from before. And with Eileen basically saying the same thing again in terms of, I have to do what's best for the show and I have millions mm-hmm. of dollars on the line. And Julia's like, I have my family on the line. And um, <laughs> then she, Eileen, I mean, Julia really goes for the jugular with Eileen saying that this is her fault that the show progressed too quickly and that she pushed for that. And they wouldn't be in this situation if Eileen hadn't made the series of decisions that she made. And Eileen does not let that ruffle her. And basically says, you know, I'm sorry, this is what it is. And I expect you in Boston whenever. And so then we are back in the theater and we get to see the tail end of 20th Century Fox Mambo with Rebecca this time with sets and costumes and the whole nine yards. And then then, uh, we see Jessica and Dennis come on stage to do some lines (laughs) <laughs> to fill time while while uh, the 
the people backstage attempt to like wrangle uh, Rebecca out of the beloved gloves. And, um, and these lines are going on and Derek just shoots Tom a look and he's like, what? I'm not a writer. And it's not that terrible. <laughs> I do love like Tom and Derek as co-conspirators, as bumbling co-conspirators, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, you know, Derek marches up to the stage and he's like, what's going on? And is she changed yet? And the the beleaguered wardrobe person is like, it's harder to take the gloves off when she's sweaty. And Derek is like, fine, you know, Rebecca back on stage. And he's like, Ivy, Karen, each of you is going to stand on either side of her. And at the end of Fox Mambo, you're going to pull off a glove and problem solved. And of course it's, it's not really solved because that's going to be a super awkward as hell stage moment, wrangling her out of these. That's not going to be fun for anyone to watch, but it's, it's a tech week kind of solve. So, mm-hmm. so uh, that is Derek's like bad idea to get them through this glitch of the, you know, the glitch of the moment. Then Dev arrives. He has come up to Boston to surprise. Despite, and he has asked Karen if he can do that. Karen has been very clear that the answer is no. Like every time they talk, she's like, no. Please don't visit me at work. I'm really busy. Yes. <laughs> this is and not then, a good week for a visit. Yes. So despite being told on several occasions that she's very busy and it's a bad idea, he shows up and then um, he's like, oh, it's okay. I can just sit and watch. And she's like, oh, no, actually you can't. And he's like, what? And, you know, he is very disappointed that after being told something was a bad idea and doing it anyway, that he doesn't get what he wants. So anyway, but she tells him, you know, to go to the hotel and uh, wait for her there and she'll see him when they're done for the day. And then Julia calls Tom again and basically says, if Michael Swift comes to Boston, I'm out. And I don't know what out would mean precisely, Mm -hmm. but um, this is where Eileen kind of talks about this in the next scene. So we can just move to that. So. Also, wait, something occurred to me. Derek is the choreographer of Bombshell. Yes, but Josh is like his choreography assistant slash dance captain. And I think. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yes. And I think after the pilot, they really dropped all mention. Well, no, not after the pilot, but after that episode where he quote unquote showed Karen a dance move. Yeah. From that point on, they never mentioned Derek being the choreographer again. Yeah, I think it comes up in season two. It's, it's, yeah, it comes up, I think, two times in season two Mm -hmm. for plot, for like minor plot reasons. And, uh, but like in the vein of what Eileen goes on to say about we'd have to do this and we'd have to do that. And, you know, if they have to replace Julia. Mm -hmm. I don't know, random trivia about Smash that I remember. Yeah, because uh, Eileen, we see Eileen at Nick's bar talking to Nick about her troubles. And Nick is super supportive of her and her decisions. Like, of course, you have, you know, your responsibility is not Julia's marriage. It's the show. And she's like, I'm so sorry, because 
this is going so poorly and your friend was our investor and I might lose $7 million. And he's like, it's just money. Um, <laughs> but, but she does, you know, in general terms, talk about like, cause he is like, well, what, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? And she's like, well, Julia could leave and then Tom might leave and then whatever, whatever. But uh -huh. I'm, it, who could say like, there must be some sort of contracts in place with Tom and Julia, one would imagine. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway. Um. <laughs> and I, I like the line in here where Nick says something about being a know nothing low life. And Eileen sort of leans in and says, I have a thing for know nothing low lives. <laughs> I and enjoy their romance. I enjoy their romance too. And she says, you know, I don't really have to be back in Boston till the morning. And he's like, I'm closing up early tonight. And that's great. So. And, and, then, and then they take it maybe one step too far. And then he's like, well, get your work done now. Cause you won't have time to do it tonight. <laughs> 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 He's getting an erection. <laughs> oh my word! So, oh, this is this is a random thought that just crossed my mind. The actor who plays Nick Thorsten K, yes. like he would be like classic casting for any like erectile dysfunction commercial in oh terms of. Look, I'm a, I'm a seasoned older gentleman, but I'm still very attractive. You know, ask me how. Yeah. Like, <laughs> though, usually a lot of the erectile dysfunction commercials are actually, you know, actually they focus on uh, a seasoned but incredibly beautiful older woman rather than an older man. Oh, interesting. Yes. So it's like, I'm a seasoned, incredibly beautiful older woman. And I accept you as a seasoned older man and take some of this erectile dysfunction medicine. I don't mind. They're probably pitching that there's no stigma. It's okay. Everybody exactly. Yeah. So then um, cut to Sam's house where Sam and Tom are having dinner with Sam's family. And <laughs> and Tom is telling some sort of theater anecdote, and then they all chuckle at the end of it. Then we get to see Sam's dad be kind of disapproving and disgruntled. But wait, mm -hmm. it's not because Sam's gay. It's because he's a dancer. He's that's a dancer. What, yes, that's Shit. what his dad's disapproving of. Yeah. <laughs> and because... You know, how many 60-year-old dancers do you know? Um, mm -hmm. And then Tom agrees with him. It's like, you know, sir, yes, you're right. It's a terribly whatever uh, <laughs> difficult profession. So then we are back in Rebecca's dressing room. Rehearsals are done for the day. And Derek comes in and he's giving her a pep talk and he's talking about Marilyn. He says... Marilyn was luminous, and you're luminous. Then here's a neck rub. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, um, and she's like, and I can act too, you know. And he's like, 
you're a lovely little actress. And it's so weird. It's so weird. And then she turns around and is like, thank you for finally noticing. What does it take to get a compliment out of you? And so all I could write down was like, he, he said that and it worked because basically then they start kissing. Like it's, I understand it needs to happen for plot reasons. And so I think they're just like, well, we're just going to say whatever, but it, it, mm-hmm. it needs to happen for plot reasons. But yeah, I, I don't, I, and I accept that it needs to happen for plot reasons, but I don't buy it. Because <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what he says is so like, maybe more women are into negging than I am. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, he says you're a lovely little actress in a really condescending way. And it, it really... Mm-hmm. It really floats her boat. So they start kissing. Then uh, we see Ivy and Ellis meet on the street outside the theater. And uh, she's, I think they're on the street. Anyway, she's waiting for Derek to be ready to leave because they have their birthday dinner tonight. Mm -hmm. And Ivy says to Ellis, like, what are you doing here? Like, why aren't you standing guard outside of Rebecca's dressing room? Like you're usually are. And he's like, oh, they sent me out to get a neti pot. <laughs> and then they are they both dawns on them at once. It's like, oh, oh, they were getting Ellis yeah. out of the way and they rush upstairs. And instead, Randall is guarding the door and says, oh. Rebecca cannot be disturbed. You know, Ivy's like, like, I'm like, not looking for her. <laughs> and he's like, and Randall like gives Ellis this look and basically like, get your gal pal under control, Ellis. I expected better of you. Um, (laughs) But what he says is something like, of like, can you deal with her? Or like, can you handle her, please? And then through the door, we hear, we hear murmurs and laughter from Rebecca and Derek. Yeah. They're Um, having that laughter kind of sex. Yeah. I noticed, um, there's all this writing on the wall behind Ivy, um, presumably names of shows that have come through this theater before, but like right behind Ivy during this scene, you can see Danger of Loose Cannon. Oh, I did not notice that, and that is yeah. lovely. I enjoy Fun that. little detail. Yes. So then we see Dev and Karen at a restaurant having dinner and Dev, Dev proposes. It's one of the worst proposals of, uh, you know, it's a very bad proposal. It really and is. It sounds like a breakup. <laughs> it really does sound like he's going to be breaking up with her. And he's, and he says, I think he says like, I've got to be honest or whatever. And then of course he's completely not honest with her about yeah. anything. It gave me working girl vibes a little bit, you know? Yeah. When you Alex want a different Baldwin, answer, ask a different girl. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, he pulls out a ring and Karen has this look of kind of like shock and horror and bafflement on her face. Maybe not horror, but like definitely bafflement of like, now? Really? Yeah. And, it's um, tech week. I can't get engaged during tech week. Yeah, and he says, like, well, do, you know, basically he's like, well, will you? And she's like, I'm in tech. Yeah, (laughs) which is a very valid answer, and she has my sympathy. And, Uh of course, 
Dev takes it badly and uh, they leave the restaurant or he leaves the restaurant. I don't know. Someone, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't end well. Then we cut back to Sam's family's house. Sam is um, outstanding on the porch after he confronted um, Tom and his dad about both saying like very uh, denigrating things about his life choices. Yeah, because it's always great when your boyfriend and your dad team up to tell you that your profession and the passion of your life is like a horrible career move and <laughs> you're going to burn out in the next five to ten years. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to blow at your knees. So, and Sam confronts Thomas, like, do you think I don't know all these things? And, you know, he's like, I, I understand the risks of this profession and I choose it anyway. And, you know, he says, it's joy one day and gone the next. And which is that, well, that is theater in a nutshell. And for yeah. Tom to be so sort of insensitive about as someone who's in theater <laughs> um, mm -hmm. is yes. But, and also like it's joy one day and it's gone the next. I feel like that is kind of the, the premise of another opening, another show too, the song from yeah. the beginning. So then Tom gives him hard eyes, like, and says, it says something so creepy. <laughs> and he says, you are my best self. And then they kiss. And I think again, that line worked. Um, it's, it's so weird for someone to be like, ah, uh, you know, you know what I love about you? How much you've helped me learn about me. <laughs> yeah. Especially because oh, there, there's an age difference too. So yes. it's, yeah. And then, and then Sam's brother <laughs> leans out the door with his, 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 you know, wife or girlfriend. And is like, Lord, there's two boys kissing out here, which is, you know, it's kind of like a funny way to get us out of this scene. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's also cool just to, you know, that the family is just like absolutely has no problem with Sam's homosexuality. And that's awesome. It's just the fact that he's a dancer. <laughs> it's the dancing. That's the problem. That's the problem. Um, so anyway, Karen has gone back to the hotel uh, after her disastrous dinner with Dev. And she is going to the you know, someone's room to find someone to talk to. And she finds all of our ensemble kids in the midst of having a party in the hotel room. Ellis mm -hmm. is there. Ivy is there. Bobby, Dennis, the whole gang. They're um, all there. I, I assume, I think this, they're in Karen and Sue's room, right? No, they're not. Oh, I don't okay. think they are. I think they're in, I think, I feel like they're in like Ivy and Jessica's room. I could be wrong. Okay. Though. But um, just based on like the, you know, the clutter that we see around the room, I don't think it's Karen and uh, Sue's room. Okay. Cause like there's a teddy bear on the bed. I think it's Ivy's or so. Um, so anyway, they're having a, a party, and Bobby says, let's have a sing-off, Karen versus Ivy. Ivy's clearly been drowning her sorrows a little bit, 
she says to Karen before they get started with the sing-off, basically, I know he's screwing Rebecca. And since you're friends with Rebecca, that means you kn- must have known and I'm mad at you, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, which this is important information for later on in the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it is another lily, ba- lily pad in like our, you know, our plot hopscotch here. So um, then Ivy starts to sing, I'm going down. Oh, and it's heartbreaking. Yes. And, and he, even though Mary J. Blige has, I think, the undisputed version of this often covered song, uh, Ivy does a lovely job. I had thought before this, I thought that the Mary J. Blige version was like the original version. Well, I learned it's from the movie Car Wash. Yeah. I have not seen Car Wash, but like just based on the Car Wash song, I thought it was like a, a, a purely like peppier movie, but uh, <laughs> I guess it has hidden depths. Um, so she sings. It's awesome. Um, I could have done without the, the montage of Derek doing shitty things to remind yeah. us why she's sad. I could have just watched her sing it. That would have been fine. Yeah. Um, and, and like, but, you know, like, you can always have, like, reactions from, like, the people in the room, too. Like, you don't yes. have to. Yeah. <laughs> and we do get to see Bobby's face at one point, like, just really, like, uh, I think, digging her singing at the end. Either at the very beginning or the very end. So then we see uh, Dev is in the hallway, and he sees Karen, and Karen sees him, and he he rushes out to, like, walk walk along a river and Karen rushes out after him and he's like I proposed to you and you run off to some party and then he he starts talking about how much I've sacrificed for you and he talks about how he turned down a job in Washington DC so she could do this stupid show and it's infuriating because it's not true also he's really Uh rewriting history uh to Uh his uh, to make himself look better because he didn't turn down a job. He turned down the offer of a lead on a job. And yeah. Yeah. Dev's history is made in lies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, they have a big fight and then like he tells her and he tells her that he kissed RJ and almost slept with her the day before. And Karen's like, Oh, so yeah, I really want to marry you. This is uh, that sounds like a great reason to propose to someone. Um, yeah, and she storms off, and then we we cut back to Julia at home in Brooklyn. She is in bed, you know, stress doing eating, some, um, stress eating, <laughs> stress eating a banana with peanut butter. <laughs> Earlier on in in the season, didn't she like stress eat grapes or something? Oh, I don't remember that. But that that sounds like something that Julia. Yeah, I think would there do. was another scene of her lying in bed, like comfort eating, and it was like, oh, yeah, I can picture that. Yes. So anyway, then Leo and Frank come into the room and with a suitcase, basically being like, "You have our permission to go to Boston, Julia." <laughs> <laughs> The men talked about it. (laughs) You've never been good at separating your personal and professional lives. 
and yeah. we understand that about you. So go to Boston. <laughs> Breadwinner of the household. <laughs> we just realized how much the monthly mortgage is. And yeah. we decided you should go to Boston. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but yeah, not not a discussion, but just telling her what, what, what she's allowed to do now. Oh, um, no. Then we cut to a bar. I think we can assume it's the bar in the hotel. And we see Ivy getting a drink by herself. And then Dev comes in to get a drink. And then he notices Ivy. He thinks she's just some hot girl at the bar. And he's angry at Karen. So why shouldn't he talk to some hot girl in Boston? Uh And he says, my name's Dev. And then she looks at him because, of course, now she knows who he is. And she says, Ivy. And then he knows who she is. Uh And then they look at each other and we Uh cut to black. And that's bum, the end bum, of the episode. I thought that was an awesome place to end. Um, Me too. Yeah. And I really feel that the needle was threaded. Because Dev has been, oh, what do you call it? Possessive of Karen. He doesn't like that Karen has a life. You know, yes. he wants to be, he wants to be the hotshot star. He doesn't, he doesn't particularly care if Karen is successful or not. He kind of likes that she's happy, but he wants to be winning in the relationship. And yes. he probably would be fine with her just being sort of a politician's wife or a politics, uh, you know, adjacent press guy's wife. <laughs> Yeah, he likes to pay lip service to supporting Karen, but, like, I don't think he really supports Karen. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think we we have really, like, we've set things up very nicely in terms of Ivy, you know, is angry at Derek, and she has, mi- and she's also, it, the anger is misplaced, but she also has misplaced anger at Karen. And now, uh-huh. here's a way that she can, you know, potentially hurt both of them in one fell swoop. So, yeah, that's where we'd leave things. Yeah. So I think our big musical number was Ivy singing I'm Going Down, but we got, oh, and also another open in another show at the beginning. So there was no, Mm -hmm. like, big, like, choreography number. But what was really, what I found very enjoyable was seeing little snippets of other numbers that um that that we've seen uh but now with like the costumes and the whatnot as they Mm -hmm. as they get ready for their opening night like history is made at night and 20th century fox mambo and yeah so that was highly enjoyable Mm -hmm. so i think this episode um we've really set up the dominoes very nicely we know we're going to see some Michael Swift again. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> apologies, you might hear a dog barking in the background. That's okay. We yeah. Love oh, that's Clara. Oh, that's she Clara. Is, yes, she is the designated barker of the household now. Aww. Yes. Um, 
but yeah, so I think this was a highly enjoyable episode of Smash. And I love how much time we spent like in a theater, you know. Yeah, most, that's nice. Yes, most of like the action and the drama was centered around the theater and around rehearsal. And mm-hmm. we, you know, we only left it for like little chunks. So should we move on to some of our to our awards or do we have yeah any- do you want to do you want to talk about we could talk about the smash lash oh yes let's talk about smash yeah. lash sure um so hillary pieces and her recaps for entertainment weekly she really loves tom's bad scene <laughs> that he writes to cover the costume change and uh, I agree. It's it's very funny, and it's, it was I just enjoyably lo- bad. Yes, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I also like that, like just because Tom is like super creative and and really good at what he does, it doesn't mean he can do Julia's part of the teamwork. Yes, you know. <laughs> um, she does not buy Derek's cheating or the sudden motivation for Frank's forgiveness. Um, she just feels like there was like a big jump for those guys in where they are in their relationships. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to read a direct quote because uh, she talks about Julia moping in bed uh, she writes, her son and husband interrupt this monkey business, the eating of bananas uh, dipped in peanut butter, uh, to let her know that she has to accept Michael's recasting and head to Town, and that they're coming along as well. This ought to make a good story for Leo. What'd you do on spring break? Oh, you know, just went with my mom to see her ex-lover rehearse a musical. <laughs> I also love that Leo's spring break is two weeks long, but yeah. Yes. Clearly, he's a private school kid. <laughs> oh, uh, she, she's also, uh, she also had a moment with when Derek is seducing Rebecca in her dressing room and talking about how Marilyn glowed because of Oh, because of the little hairs on her skin? Yeah. And so she writes, this is the first time in history that discussion of tiny hairs covering a person's body has led to sex. Very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the Derek-Rebecca seduction is, yeah, is really out of left field. But, um, y- y- you know, we're, we're heading towards the home stretch of the season. And mm-hmm. I understand that it's like, you know, we got to get Ivy to a certain, you know, we have to get Ivy to a certain spot on the chessboard and this is the quickest way to do it. So mm-hmm. you're a lovely little actress. Take me, take me now is not yes. the, <laughs> is there any other smash lash or had everyone else besides EW given up at this point? Yeah, no, I, nothing else really stood out. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have decided that they just don't like the show anymore. And are just, um, yeah, I've read some stuff that was just trying very, very hard to be hilarious in their mockery of Smash, but this was actually a pretty darn good episode. I (laughs) really like this episode. 
Yeah. You know, and I think I like too that um, I think we've reached a point where the show is, I don't think the show is trying to sell us anymore that Karen should be conflicted between, you know, be, you know, being torn between Dev and her career. I think at this point in, in the season, the show is like, yeah, Dev sucks. We know. And yes. And plot shenanigans are going to ensue. So Mm -hmm. I enjoy that. And I love, I, I mean, I love the opening song so much, you know. It's, it's a, it was a really lovely opening to another I, episode of Smash. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that is Smash Lash. Do we have any, um, what would Tarana Burke say this episode? No. I, I think I, I, I I got, I was so annoyed at the men that I didn't want to think about them anymore. Yeah, it was slim pickings for least problematic man this week. Um, well, so maybe let us turn then to uh, least, prob- least problematic man of the week. Here, here's who I have as options. Gotcha. Okay. We have Sam, who... Mm-hmm. Um, didn't didn't do anything problematic and he he wasn't particularly supportive or to anyone else but he stood his ground and stood up for himself so mm-hmm. that's something he gave he gave ivy some good coaching to go get her man before <laughs> yeah and we have nick nick uh who i'm sure nick. has been awarded least problematic man before because yeah. he basically his his sole role in the episode was to like stand there listen to Eileen while she talked and tell her she did the right thing and then close close up his bar early and take her to town upstairs <laughs> does he live above the bar no I don't think he okay. does you're right yeah because I think he lives in Brooklyn or something so sure yeah yeah, we're mixing that up with Gilmore Girls. <laughs> all, all men in the food and beverage industry must live in a bachelor pad. Above yes, above the premises. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I also had like Frank as a potential because you know just because they're communicating and. Well, yeah, except I ruled out Frank because of, like, the way he, he and Leo come in and are like, you're going to Boston, Julia. We've decided it's okay. Yeah. Rather yeah, that's than fair. discussing with her, like, do you want to go to Boston? And also, like, the way he's like, you've never been good at separating your personal life and your professional life. Yeah. Like, it's like, go fuck yourself, Frank. You don't have a professional life, so you have yeah. no trouble separating it. But I digress. <laughs> So, so Nick, is it Nick? I mean, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Sam because he also, you know, communicates to his partner and his, well, I don't know if they're partners, they're, they're having a showmance. Um, Sam is communicative with Tom. He's communicative with his family. He's got, um, he's like a good friend to Ivy. 
see. I think Sam is, is he draws boundaries in terms of like I'm not going to with with Tom in terms of uh-huh. well, I don't know if it's a boundary per se, but yeah, he he's like I'm not I'm not going to like just sit here while you agree with my father about how my life uh-huh. is terrible. Yeah. All right, Sam. Sam. Another. Congratulations, Leslie Odom Jr. (laughs) Another repeat least problematic man of the week. Mm -hmm. All right. And then under five of the week. Okay, so I feel strongly that Paul Strickland, Sam's brother, I assume older brother, um, Ty Jones, played by Ty Jones, um, with his... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with his, lord there are boys kissing out here <laughs> it's such a like a brother thing to do like it he's is. basically giving him a noogie and yeah. that is yeah i didn't think about him because i don't know if he appears in like the next episode but i'm happy to give it to him my my not my nominee was um Erin Holmes, who played Melissa, the costume person. She and Randall are the ones who went to Derek uh, about the costume with the gloves. And, you know, she she had like a very simple line in terms of like, you know, we have a problem with the gloves or something like that. But Uh I could just feel like the seething rage (laughs) and resentment going on (laughs) in terms of like, the star wants something that is a terrible idea and you are the director. So you are the one who gets to say whether or not she gets to do this terrible idea. But yeah, but I did thoroughly enjoy Ty Jones and his boys are kissing on the porch. Um, So I felt like he, he helped like round out the family in a, in a very clear way that like, this is a loving family that like is all up in each other's business. And, but there's a lot of love and it's just, everything is out of love. Yes. And no one minds that he's gay. It's just that he's a dancer. I don't like this. Yes. And I don't um, think the, bro- I don't, I don't think the brother, like, no, like, like the brother doesn't mind. About it. Yes. Yeah. The only one that minds is his dad. His mm-hmm. mom is fine with it, and his brother is fine with it. But yes, mm-hmm. so yes, congratulations to Ty Jones, our under five of the week. Yay! I'm t- oh, I, the, the actor's last name totally slipped my mind. Isaiah. Oh, I wrote it down. Uh, yeah, I from, wrote it down. Know, he's from The Wire, of course, and has you know his famous catchphrase of "shit," and I it would have been hilarious if that somehow got slipped into the script <laughs> oh isaiah whitlock jr yes yes but um oh well we smashed it we smashed it <laughs> <laughs>